Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you here today. It's good to see everybody here. And I know that those being baptized, if friends of theirs that are here, they really appreciate you sharing in this uh, celebration and their confession of their faith. We're in Matthew again. We're continuing to work our way through the Gospel of Matthew. We're in chapter 22. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 14 in, verse, in chapter 22. And the title of the message today is Missing a Great Party. Missing a Great Party. And again Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again he sent other servants saying, Tell those who are invited. See, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came back to look at the guest, he saw that there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said, friend... How did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, cast him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the proclamation of his word. It always amazes me when people go to tremendous lengths to uh, accept invitations. When I turned 50, Carla threw a surprise birthday party for me and invited family and friends uh, from all over the country. And uh, she pulled the wolves all over my eyes. Of course, if you know me, you might know, Pastor, it's not that hard to do, you know, (laughs) but she did it. Uh, There was evidence all around me when I caught on to none of it, but anyway... But I had friends come hundreds of miles to be a part of that uh, 50th birthday celebration. When our children got married, people spent time and money on road trips, uh, plane tickets, hotel rooms, just to be at the wedding of our children and their future spouses. And we tried to throw them a good party, especially when it was our daughter, and basically you're in charge when it's your daughter, right? I am glad I only have one daughter and, and two sons, because it is, it is cheaper to see your sons married than it is your daughters. I, I, I'll promise you that, you know. I feel sorry for you guys that have a, a few daughters, but anyway. When you have a wedding or you throw a party, you learn that one of the hardest things to do is to, is to uh, kind of pare down the people that you can invite. That you might want to invite, but you can invite. Most of us don't have the resources to invite everyone we might want to come. 
And so we have to look at what resources we possess to have a wedding or a party. We have to look at the space available for the wedding, the reception, the cost of food, and other things. And so when you invite someone to the wedding, you usually really want them to come. Someone in the wedding party really wants them to come. And it's hard sometimes that they can't come. We usually understand when people can't come to these special events. Uh, And we trust that they usually have good excuses and they don't just not want to come. However, there are some invitations that no one should ever reject. That no one should ever turn down. No one should ever say no to certain invitations. We read about such an invitation in Matthew 22. Now Jesus told the parable about a king throwing a wedding party for his son who was getting married. A wedding in those days would last many days, uh, up, uh, many times a week. And even, even people with very little means, it would be the biggest celebration of their lives. And, and, uh, and, but this wasn't just an ordinary wedding. This was the wedding of the king's son. The king's son. The king's son was having a wedding and he invited you to the party. He invited you to the party. You'd be honored to get such an invitation from your king. And there would be joy in receiving the invitation because it's probably the biggest party, the biggest celebration you've ever been a part of in your entire life. And because he's your king, uh, there's kind of a patriotic duty that you would need to go. And uh, you would really be a fool not to go to the king's party. This is a picture of God inviting people to be a part of his grand party in the end and of his kingdom. He in, inviting you and I to his glorious kingdom to be a part of that final wedding feast of the Lamb. And so we need to ask ourselves this morning, how will you respond to God's gracious invitation to join him in his glorious great banquet and his kingdom? How will you respond to God's gracious invitation to join him in this glorious great banquet and his kingdom? Well, let's look at how some responded in the parable Jesus told. First of all, some invited to God's kingdom stubbornly decided not to come. They decided not to come. Now remember, as we've worked our way through Matthew, Jesus is still in conversation with the religious and the political leaders of the nation. And these religious leaders in particular were growing more and more hostile to Jesus. And soon we will see they will come, become violent toward him. These were the religious leaders in the nation who should have first uh, been among the first to recognize Jesus and embrace Jesus as Messiah. But instead, they refused to recognize Jesus. In fact, they were more concerned about losing their positions of prestige and power, and they saw Jesus as a threat to them. And so Jesus had directed a couple of parables to them. In chapter 21, he talked about two sons, and we talked about that last week, and the parable of the tenants. And this is the third story he's directing at those who should have embraced him, but are not embracing him. In fact, are violently going to reject him. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. 
And notice in verse 3 it said, He sent His servants to those who were invited. Now, He sent His servants to those who were invited. Now, this was not... Uh, these The servants did not go to people who, who just didn't know that they might be expected to show up at this party. They had already been invited to the party. They'd already basically probably agreed to come to the party in the first invitation. Maybe they even required an RSVP. Whatever that means. Some of you ladies might know whatever RSVP means anyway. Uh, so the servants were to go to people who had been invited to the party and tell them uh, and invite them and say, the party's ready. It's time to come. Now when they did this to people who had already been invited, the people refused to come. They refused to come to the king's wedding banquet for his son. They had already said they would come, but then they refused when the time came for them to drop everything and come to the party. Uh, Well, what did this king do? He did something maybe not every king would do. This patient king sent other servants out to tell the invited guests to come. He says, I made elaborate uh, uh, preparations. We've we've killed the fattened calves and the oxen. Uh, Everything is ready. This this party has been at great expense to me. And and, uh, it's time to come. Well, how did these people invite in uh, these people respond? Who basically they had received the initial invitation. They had said they'd come. They he had called them once and they didn't come. And he then he called them once again. This third call to them. How did they do? How did they receive it? Well, the scripture says some basically just ignored him. Uh, they paid no attention. That's a very interesting wording, isn't it? They paid no attention. They just ignore these servants who invited to come. Some, they, they, they just they could care less. Just don't bother us. We have our own lives. We got our businesses. Don't bother us with this party. We don't want to come. So that they just ignored and, uh, and paid no attention. Then some violently reacted to when the king sent out the third invitation. Uh, they abused the king's servants, and, and he says they even killed some. Although some basically ignored the invitation, and then some reacted violently against those who invited them for the third time, the reaction basically is the same. They treated the king's invitation with contempt. They treated the king's invitation with contempt. This was their king. Now, they should have been honored to have such an invitation. And they, thought, they should have thought, this is going to be a great party. You just would want to be there. And even they should have felt the patriotic duty to be there. If this was a great honor. This was a great privilege to be invited to the king's son's wedding. You'd be a fool if you did not go. But, but there's something else here in this passage of Scripture. There's great danger in maliciously and purposely insulting your king. If your boss throws an elaborate party and he wants everybody in the office to come, you better go, right? You better go. 
And you better not abuse and misuse those he sends to invite you either. The king had sent out an invitation. They said they'd come. He said the party's ready once. He said it twice. And not only did they ignore the invitation, but they even abused some of those who reminded them of the invitation. Well, the king had all he could take of being insulted, especially when his servants were abused. When his servants were abused. And so what did he do? The king sent his troops to deal with those who initially said they would come, but ultimately spurned his invitation and abused his servants. And it says they destroyed those murderers and burned their city. That's a graphic kind of picture, isn't it? Remember who Jesus is speaking to. Jesus is not speaking to the broken, the oppressed, the impoverished. In fact, when Jesus spoke to those kind of people, he had a completely different tone. Jesus is speaking to those who should have been most receptive to his word, who should have received them, who, who knew uh, some of the things of God. They were supposed to be the spiritual leaders of Israel. That's who Jesus was speaking to. People who he'd called to himself over and over again in his three-year ministry. That's who he was speaking to. What were these leaders planning to do even at this moment? They were seeking his destruction. They were seeking his destruction. They were once again spurning God's gracious invitation to life and love and peace. You see, you can't insult God forever and you can't spurn his love forever without consequences. His gospel, Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world but that the world through him, through, through the Son, might be saved. That's what it was intended to do. But if you reject the one who came to save you, what else is there for you? You can't insult God's love forever and spurn his love without consequences. You see, the very Son of God gave his life So that we could live. And if you say, that's nothing to me. I don't care. I don't need that. You are spurning the love of God. The scripture says in Hebrews 2.3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? You know. It's not easy to preach the warnings of the Bible, but we all need to be warned. We can't just take them out and ignore them. God invites you and He wants you. He wants you to be saved. He wanted that so much that He sent His Son, that God demonstrated His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But you can't spurn the love of God forever. You can't just ignore what Jesus has done for you. And so those who'd been invited stubbornly decided not to come. They won't come to the party. Well, then who gets in? Who gets into the party? The invitation goes out to the multitude so that anyone who will come can come. The wedding feast was ready, but there were no guests. And so the king said to those who were invited, said, those who are invited were not worthy. Now, why weren't they worthy? 
They were basically worthy because they rejected his invitation. They rejected his provision for, uh, for the banquet. If they would have just said yes and accepted it and accepted his provision, they could have been worthy. But they weren't worthy because they spurned the king's invitation. You see, being a sinner does not make you unworthy to be a part of the kingdom of God. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. We all deserve God's punishment. That doesn't stop you from coming and believing and having life and being a part of God's kingdom and his banquet. What stops you is when you refuse to accept the provision that God has made, when you refuse to believe and put your trust in the Son of God who came and died and rose again for you. You see, any sinner can be saved, and I don't care how bad your sin is. There's no sin that's greater than the blood of Jesus. He will forgive if you will come to him. They spurned the king's invitation. They wouldn't accept uh, his provision. So the king says, tells his servants, go to the main roads and invite to the wedding party as many as you find. And the servants went this and they gathered all they could find. They went to the crossroads, the main roads, wherever there were a crowd. They went out and they invited them to the banquet. Such is the task of every believer. Every believer is called to invite those that we come into contact with to believe in Jesus and to know its love. We are sent out to the highways and byways. We are sent out to different places all through the week. To, to, to your job or your social life or your friends. And, and you're to call them and say, come to the feast. Come to the table. Jesus is worth anything it might cost to follow him and to love him. And he's inviting you to his banquet just like he invited me to his banquet. That's our task. And so the servants do this and they gather all they found. And notice it says both good and bad. That's kind of an interesting phrase. Both good and bad. The point was not so much as who was invited. The point was that those previous invited spurned the invitation. And the, and the invitation is open to all, no matter what their past, no matter what their standing in the community, no matter what their moral reputation is, no matter how they failed or how they succeeded. The invitation to the party is for you if you will hear it and you will accept it and you will come. The invitation is for whoever will. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The invitation is for whoever will. Jesus said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. The invitation is for whoever will. The spirit and the bride say, come. Revelation says, and let the one who hears say, come and let one who is thirsty come and let one who desires take the water of life without price. If you will come, you can come. You can be a part of the kingdom. You can have eternal life and and know Jesus. The invitation goes out to the multitude and it's our privilege to share that invitation with others so that anyone who will come can come. There's one more thing I think we can learn from this passage of Scripture, and that's this. All who come to the kingdom clothe themselves in the garment of the righteousness of Christ. Now this parable ends kind of strangely. The king comes to the banquet, to the wedding party, and he sees one man who sticks out like a sore thumb. 
This man is not dressed in wedding clothes. Now, many, many people believe that not only if a king would throw a banquet, that he would provide for the food uh, and, the, and, and, the, and the drinks for the banquet, the, the king would also provide wedding clothes for the banquet. He would provide a, a festal robe for the banquet. So those coming in from the street would not have to, uh, would, would, would have the right attire. The right attire is provided. The right attire is provided. You see, you don't just go to a wedding in the clothes in which you did yard work. You know, I don't know about other people, but when I do yard work, I get really dirty. And I smell really bad. I mean, I don't know if it's just I attract dust or whatever, but I can't do it and be clean. I wouldn't go to a wedding when I have done just mowed my yard, when I've just cleaned up the yard. I got to change. I got to wear different things. Well, one man, he didn't bother to change. He didn't bother to put on the festal robe that was offered to him. What was he thinking? Maybe he thought, well, my clothes are good enough for this king. I don't need anything to go to this party. I don't have to accept his charity. I'm just going to go in my clothes. If he, if he doesn't like it, that's tough. You see, the clothing portrayed an attitude that was insulting to the king. In fact, that's, that's kind of conveyed in the, in, the, in the original language in the Greek. It doesn't quite come through. There was an attitude of, of saying, you know, I'm just not going to do it. Marvin Vincent said, the words implied the man was conscious of the omission when he entered and was intentionally Guilty of the neglect. Michael Green says, The man who scorned his host's provisions of wedding clothes insulted the host and showed personal complacency. He said his best was good enough for God. Yet, God says it's not. The king in the story has the man thrown out. You see, our best is not good enough for God. Do you understand that? You know, we need, we're not perfect. And that's what God requires. But there was one who was perfect in our place. And that was the Lord Jesus. And we need to be clothed in Him and His righteousness. Um, That's the human predicament. We are literally not fit to be seen before God, let alone to feast in His kingdom. Well, what's the solution? How are we going to dress? How are we going to get ready to go to the great banquet? 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Who is the him that we need to be clothed in, covered in, and clothed in his righteousness? It is Christ Jesus. He's the one who took our sin upon himself on the cross. And if we will believe in what he has done, we can be clothed in his righteousness. We often sing the old gospel hymn, The Solid Rock. Uh... 
On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sound. When, when he shall come with trumpet sound, O may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. Not in anything Bob Ray is going to bring. Dressed in Jesus' righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. You see, we can't come to the wedding feast and cling to our sin. We can't come to the wedding feast with our best because it's not good enough. We can't come to the wedding feast and, and say, God, you just have to accept me like I am. It won't work. But we can come if we will receive the righteousness of Jesus. Isaiah 61 says, I will, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul exult in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, as a bride adorns herself with jewels. You can be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If you come on your own, if you come not, for, not turning from your sin, you can be a part of the banquet. You don't have to earn your way in, you just have to receive what Jesus has already done. And it says the man was cast into outer darkness. You see, if you leave the light of the kingdom of God, where else can you go? There's no place else to go. If you're kicked out of the party, then outer darkness. He didn't have to leave the party. He was invited. And wedding clothes were provided. But he spurned the graciousness of the king. And Jesus closes this by saying, Many are called, but few are chosen. There's a mystery to this, isn't there? There's a mystery how we can be saved and it's all the, all the work of God. It's, it's a work that God does. We don't save ourselves. God saves us. Um, there's a mystery how it all happens. But this is clear from this passage. If the man would have responded to the invitation and been clothed in wedding garments, he would have been among the chosen. If you respond to the call of Jesus to receive him and be part of his kingdom and you will receive His righteousness that He provides for you when you believe, you too can be among the chosen. Will you? God is inviting you today to get to know Him better and be part of His kingdom. Maybe this is new to all of you, and we want that's why we're here, to help people understand what this is all about. But there are some of you here that you've been invited by God's Spirit. And you know today might be the day that you need to give your life to Christ. You need to receive Christ. And uh, just like these confess their faith in Jesus. Today wasn't the day that they put their trust in Christ. This is the day that they just confessed it. They had, they had previously, we, we practice what we call believer's baptism. We don't baptize infants we don't baptize people until they confess that they've given their lives, they've received Jesus into their lives. You see, today might be the day that you need to receive Jesus into your life. Maybe the Spirit of God is speaking to you today. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit of God is inviting you to truly believe, to put your trust in Him, give your life to Him today. You see, 
I pray that nobody's here like the leaders that Jesus was speaking to, who heard God's invitation again and again, but think they are more, they got more important things to do. They got their jobs, they got their lives, they don't need God. They don't need Jesus. They don't need God to take care of them. And they've heard God invite them again and again. And they just ignore Him and go on with their lives. You see, God's calling today. And He wants you and me to be a part of His kingdom. To be among the chosen. The question is, how will you respond to God's gracious invitation to join Him in this great Glorious banquet and His kingdom. Let's pray together. Today, if, if, you, if God has spoken to you and you, you need, you're thinking, I, I, I want to be a part of this. I want to learn more about this. Or maybe today you, you've been invited and today you want to give your life to Christ. We encourage you to do that. Even right where you're sitting, say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I, I want... I want to follow you as Lord and Master my life. Jesus, save me. And if you call on Him, He will save you. If you're here today and you want to talk to someone about more of what that means, or, or you, want to, you don't quite get it, but you need someone to help you, Carla and Donald will be at the back this morning, at the back of the auditorium. And uh, they'll be there during our final song, and just for a few minutes after we close... If you need someone to talk to. Or maybe you just, today you just need someone to pray with you about something that's going on in your life. Maybe it has something to do with what you've seen here. Or maybe it's, maybe it's just something else. You just, you just would like someone to pray with you. They'll be there to do that. Whatever God is speaking to you today, say yes to Him. He loves you. Our Father, we love you. We thank you for your great love. We thank you, Lord, for the great invitation to be a part of your great kingdom, to come, Lord, to be a part of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And, Lord, we thank you that you've invited us. And not only that, Lord, you've provided everything we need for the banquet, and you've provided us the righteousness of Jesus, that we can be accepted and approved and enjoy your fellowship and your love and your people. Lord, we thank you for this. Lord, help us as we live our lives to invite others to be a part of this great kingdom, to invite others to know the Savior who saved us from our sin. Lord, help us to be sharing the gospel with others. Just move in power. Draw us each to yourself. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.